glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. And we're going to read in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to begin reading in verse 13, and we'll read down through verse 19, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God today. Bible said, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want you to notice in particular verse 18 where Jesus said, I will build my church. This week this Bible conference is about the church. And uh, we're going to examine uh, some things that the Bible has to say about the church or about church, if you will. Uh, the Lord likens uh, the church in the Word of God in the New Testament to many different things. And we're going to look at some of those this week. And the Lord likened those uh, things or the church to those things to give us a better understanding of what the church is and what it's all about. And I think it's very important for us in the day that we're living in to get a hold of that. And to be reminded of what the Bible says about church. Uh, we've been told in the last year or so uh, that church is a non-essential. How many of you have heard that? That word non-essential means not absolutely necessary. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, it made my blood boil. Because I know what the Bible says. And we've got a government that told us that church is non-essential. We've got a medical experts that told us that church is non-essential. Uh, many churches began to believe that church is non-essential. Some people here may think church is non-essential. But the truth of the matter is, what, what God thinks is what really matters. And I believe, according to the Word of God, you cannot find in the Bible where God thinks that church is non-essential. And we need to be reminded of that, how precious this thing is called church. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help this morning. Our Father, Lord, we're glad to be here together, assembled in your precious name. Thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation that we have through him, the gift of eternal life. We're thankful, Lord, for the assurance of our salvation and our souls today uh, belonging to you. We thank you and praise you for that. Thank you for each one that's here. And God, we thank you for the word of God before us. 
We ask Holy Spirit of God this morning, please now direct this part of the service. We pray direct our thoughts and words. Lord God, direct our hearts and our minds to receive the Word of God. And may you do a work in each of our lives today for the glory of God, that Christ might have the preeminence and receive all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I said that the, God likens the church to many things in the Word of God. We'll be covering some of them. Let me give you a list of those things. This is not an exclusive list. You can probably find some more. Uh, but there's, when he likens the church to these particular things, there is a, a main focus or, or point of interest that I believe can be attached to each one of these that will help us understand what God talks, what he means when he talks about his church. Uh, God likens his church to a body. And, uh, we'll talk about that probably tonight. Uh, and, uh, it, the important thing about the body there is that, is its function. He likens the church to his bride. And the important thing about the bride is her faithfulness to the bridegroom. He likens the church to a flock. And the important thing about the flock is its fellowship of the shepherd. He likens it to a husbandry or a vineyard. And the, the, the emphasis there is on the fruitfulness of that vineyard. He likens it to a family. And the, the core uh, importance there of the family is its fellowship. Uh, he likens it to an army of God's people being a soul, good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there we can think of uh, being fit. Uh, we can think of being uh, fearless. We can think of being a fighter. Amen. Uh, he, he likens it to an assembly. An assembly. When God speaks of His church, uh, He speaks of it. It's mentioned about 114 or 15 times in the Word of God. About 111 or 12 of those uh, has to do with an assembly in a fixed location. God teaches us the truth of a local New Testament church. He, he likens it in Revelation to a candlestick. And the focus there is its fuel and its fire, its flame. He likens it to a rescue unit plucking souls out of the fire. And uh, that the, the importance there is the fervency of that rescue unit, the fervency of reaching men and women with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then today's, uh, he likens it to a building. And I want us to focus our attention this morning on the church uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ being likened to a building. Uh, we, we've all paying attention this morning to this building, amen, and thank God for the building. I remember many of you were here uh, when you all were able to move into this building and the condition of this building when you moved into it. It's changed a lot, amen. Thank God for that. It's changed for the better. Uh, but uh, this building, per se, is not the church. A lot of people think that. But this building itself, these four walls, these these windows that you've replaced, the chairs and, and the carpet and the platform and all those things, that's not, this building is not the church. The church is the born again, called out assembly of God's people that assemble here. Amen. You're here this morning. If you're a part of this church, then uh, uh, you are the church this morning. You've assembled here together. Now I want to read here again what Jesus said when he said I in verse 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build 
my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Go over to chapter 18, if you will. Chapter 18 and verse 15. The Bible said, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take thee with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Jesus talks about building his church in the, in the, in chapter 16. He talks about speaking to the church uh, in chapter 18. Problem with two believers or so on. If the problem needs to come to uh, the congregation, you speak to the congregation. You don't bring that problem to a building with four walls and windows. You bring it to the assembled people that come together as the church there. Notice, if you will, another place, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible said, Paul said, For we are laborers together with God. Ye, and he's addressing the church at Corinth at this time, he said, Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Now, Paul uh, likens the church to a building. He likens the people of God to a building. I read something here recently I thought was interesting. Uh, it was... Uh, I read about a building that was to be built, or it was being built in in the Texas uh, Gulf, uh, and it was to be it was touted as the Texas Gulf Coast uh, most luxurious tower, and uh, it was uh, it was uh, built upon the the San Padre Island out in the uh, on the Gulf of Mexico. There, uh, it had a hundred. It was to have a hundred and forty seven uh, residences or or condos within this big tower. Uh, they were they started at two million dollars a piece. It had uh, it was to have many swimming pools, a spa, a media room, and and a self-contained parking garage. Uh, with it, it uh, stood 445 feet tall. It had three massively uh, constructed core walls to go around it to protect it from the high winds that would come off the Gulf. Uh, it began construction uh, in 2006. Uh, in May of 2008, construction was halted. $65 million had already been invested in the building of this complex, uh, which was to have a tremendous view of the Gulf all the way around. But after two years, it was halted. And by the next year, in September, it was it was exploded and torn down. The reason for all that was because of a faulty foundation. All the beauty and all the grandeur and all the things that were put into that building uh, meant nothing without a proper foundation. And this morning, as we look at the Word of God, and consider the church as a building, we need to realize that the most important thing about the church or a building is its foundation. Foundation. Now, when this church was being considered being purchased, I'm sure that uh, when the men came and looked at this, they looked at the room, they looked at the size, they looked at the electrical wiring, they looked at the water system, they looked at the windows, they looked at the doors. 
and all those things, but I am certain that they took a look at the foundation. Because no matter how beautiful or how efficient it might be or how well built it might be, if it had a faulty foundation, it would have been absolutely foolish to purchase this building. Amen? And thank God it had a good foundation. Well, I want you to consider this morning the local church uh, is a, as a building and it has a foundation. Amen? And it has a solid foundation. And I want us to consider this morning what or who that foundation is. Notice, go back, if you will, uh, to Matthew chapter 16, and we'll look here right in the text. And Jesus here says to Peter, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, there are people that are confused about this verse and believe that Jesus was saying he was going to build his church upon the apostle Peter. And that is absolutely not so. We don't take time to study all the words this morning. But the truth of the matter is, Peter is not the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church this morning. Amen. He is what the church rests upon this morning. In 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 3, again in verse 9, notice he said, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Paul makes it clear when he was starting the church, he said, I laid the foundation. What's he talking about? He preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The churches that he planted and started were built upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you look over there real quick, notice in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm glad this morning that our church, at the church has a solid foundation. Ephesians chapter 2, and look if you will in verse 19. The Bible says here, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. What's the Bible teaching us here? For time's sake we'll not read all these verses that I have. But we need to understand, God says you're the church, you're as a, you're a building, and every building has to have a foundation, and your foundation this morning, the foundation that we who are the saved, born again, blood-washed children of God, this local assembly has been built upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God, He who was God Almighty in the flesh. He was the creator of all things. He who lived a sinless, perfect, holy life. He who died on the cross and shed His blood was buried three days and three nights and then raised bodily from the grave. He who sits on the right hand of the throne of God, whoever liveth and maketh intercession for us. He who's coming again. He who's the judge of all the earth. That's the foundation of this church. Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church is built upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we say church is non-essential when its very foundation is the Son of God? 
built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Not built upon a man, not built upon a movement, not built upon a dogma, not built upon tradition, amen, built upon a person. And by the way, he's a living person today. He's an omnipotent person, has all power, he's all-knowing. Thank God this morning, we have a foundation that is a living foundation, the Son of God. Church, non-essential. How foolish. Not only does the Bible declare, Jesus said, uh, upon this rock, he was speaking of himself. I will build my church. But second of all, I want you to notice not only the church built upon Jesus Christ, but the church is built by Jesus Christ. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. You know, somebody might say without really understanding what they said, might say, well, Pastor Nevin Neal came to Bonner's Ferry back, Bonner's Ferry, uh, 14 years ago or so, and uh, he has built Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church. And I guarantee you he'd be the first person to correct you. Because if he built it, then it's not the Lord's church. Say amen right there. Amen. If it's the Lord's church, the Lord has built it. Amen. amen. The Lord has built His church. And the Lord is building His church. You say, how does the Lord build His church? Well, let's go to Acts chapter 1 real quick. Acts chapter 1. These are not going to be new things to you. You already know these things. But I'm telling you, after the year and a, a little over a year that we've had, uh, we, we need to stop and just take notice again and take account again and get, and get recalibrated to the Word of God in our thinking and our beliefs when it comes to these things. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible said there, Jesus is getting ready to ascend back into heaven, uh, and He's leaving behind His people. And He says, But ye shall receive power, in verse 8, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto Me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus said, Now here's how I'm going to build My Church, you're going to take the gospel to every creature. You're going to take the gospel to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You're going to preach the gospel unto the whole world. Jesus Christ is building His church through the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we had time this morning, but let's just go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. We're going to be skipping a lot of things here for time's sake. But I want you to notice in uh, chapter 8 and uh, verse 1, uh, it, you have the persecution of the church uh, by, the, by Saul of Tarsus. But in verse 4, the Bible says, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. These New Testament believers, they were scattered by persecution, but everywhere they went, they preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. On the day of Pentecost when the church was empowered by the Spirit of God, Peter stood up and he preached the death, the burial, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. 3,000 souls were saved that day and baptized. And the Lord added unto the 
church such as should be saved. A few days later, Peter stands up and preaches again. 5,000 people get saved, added unto the church. Is Peter building the church? No, the Lord Jesus Christ is building the church, but he's using the preaching of the gospel to do that. God has ordained the foolishness of preaching to build His church. We need to remember that in the day when preaching is being minimized, preaching is being mocked, preaching is being ridiculed, when people are seeking teachers having itching ears rather than preaching uh, preachers that have the that have an ear for the mind of God. My friend, we need to remember Jesus Christ builds His church through the preaching of the Word of God. Not only that, if you would go back to Acts 1 and we would look carefully at Acts chapter 2, we find that the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and the people were filled with the Spirit of God. And my friend, Jesus Christ builds His church not only through the preaching of the Word of God, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't build His church through wise programs and man's made mechanisms. He doesn't build it through entertainment. My friend, He doesn't build it through drama. He builds it through the power of the Holy Spirit of God working with the message of the gospel of Christ. How we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. And then he uses the productivity of the saints. To be honest with you, Jesus didn't need us to build his church. By the way, he created the world without any of us. Did he not? My friend, he didn't need us to build his church, but he chose to use his people to preach the gospel to go out and be filled with the Spirit of God and be witnesses of the things that they knew of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ uses His people in being witnesses to build His church. Non-essential? I don't believe the Lord thinks it's non-essential. Thank God this morning for the Lord Jesus Christ. Is He still building His church? I believe the Bible would teach us the Lord will continue to build His church until He comes to take her away till the rapture of His church. Amen? Not only do we find here in this passage that Jesus Christ, uh, yeah, the church is built upon Christ and built by Christ, but I believe that the, 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 the Scripture teaches us, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, that the church was non-existent until Christ came. The Bible there talks about the difference between the Jew and the Gentile and the church. Jew, Gentile, and church. Until Christ came, there were two groups of people in the world. There were Jews. Now, this is classified from God. There were Jews and there were non-Jews. Those who were non-Jews were labeled as Gentiles. So everybody in the world was either a Jew or a Gentile. But when Christ came and began to build His church, He put together both Jew and Gentile into one. And today the church is made up of saved, born-again, blood-washed Jews and saved, born-again, and blood-washed Gentiles. And we all come in the same way through the same person, the Lord Jesus Christ. I find that the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you will, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. He said, Upon this rock I will build my church. 
Bonners Ferry Baptist Church, who do you belong to? Who owns you? Who is your owner? Look at you on Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The Bible says here, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. You say, did God purchase something with his own blood? The Bible said he did. God purchased the church with his own blood. You say, but I thought Jesus Christ is the one who shed his blood. That's exactly right. Jesus Christ is God. Amen. Amen. No matter what the cults say, Jesus Christ has always been and always will be God. He purchased the church with his own blood. You say, where did he do that? He did that at Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, not only was he dying to save sinners, not only was he there to be the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world and be a substitute for every single one of us, my friend, but he was not only redeeming lost sinners, but he was purchasing the church. And when this church was purchased, it was purchased with money, cash. Amen? And thank God didn't even have to go to the bank and do it. Bank of Heaven took care of it. Isn't that right? You went to the chief banker of heaven and said, Father, we need some money to buy this place. Father said, no problem. I got, I own the cattle on the thousand hills. I just sell a couple of cows. But the church, we're talking about the building and the property was purchased with money. But the church, the blood washed, born again, living organism, the people of God that assemble here and worship the Lord together and sing together and pray together and fellowship with one another has been purchased with the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Non-essential. Non-essential. How can you say that anything that's been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ is non-essential. My friend, do you realize if you've been saved by the grace of God, you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that you're, a, you're not a non-essential either. And collectively, we that are the church are we that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We've been born again. We've been redeemed, thank God. We've been purchased out of the slave market of sin and set free because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes Him the owner. Because He's the purchaser. Amen? No man owns a church. If he does, it's not the Lord's church. No denomination Owns a church. Amen. They may own a building, but they don't own the church. Amen. He's the owner. Thank God this morning. He's the owner. I'm glad this morning. Thank God that if you're a part of the family of God, if you're saved this morning, if you belong to this local New Testament church, you have been bought and paid for 
by the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, by the way, that's why we believe that in order to be a member of a local New Testament church, you need to be born again. There are denominations and churches that teach you can come in and join us. doesn't matter whether you've been saved or not. Just come in and join us. My friend, God's church is made up of those who have been born again, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, been purchased through the blood of Christ. Amen. A saved membership. Amen. Now, does that make us any better than anybody else? Absolutely not. But it does make us obedient to God's Word. God said, I'm the purchaser. This is what I'm purchasing. Sinners who've been saved by the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful this morning? I'm glad this morning. The Lord said, He said, I will build my church. It belongs to Christ this morning. That's why no single man has the authority to say what's done with God's church. Amen. So what about the pastor? Pastor is the under-shepherd. The Lord Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. Amen. He's not the owner. He's the manager, if you please. Amen. He's the manager. Christ is the owner. That's why the local church has no right to say this is the kind of church we're going to be. What we do is get into the Word of God and find out the kind of church that God says we're supposed to be and we line up with what the Word of God says. He's the owner. Amen. Amen. We don't go out here and take surveys in the community and decide. Let the church, the community tell us what kind of church we ought to be. They don't own us. Jesus owns us. We don't let some headquarters tell us what kind of church we're going to be. They don't own us. Jesus Christ owns us. We don't let some wealthy individual in the church tell us what kind of church we're going to be. They don't own us. Jesus Christ shed His blood. Amen. He's the owner of the church. Therefore, my friend, He is the one that says, this is what my church is to be. This is how it's to be run. This is what it's to be about. This is what's supposed to go on in it and out of it. This is what we're not supposed to be. I'm glad He's the owner. Aren't you glad the politicians aren't the owner? By the way, town council, the county, the state, the United States government doesn't own the church. Now they think they do. When they tell us that we are non-essential, when I'm almost sure, about 99.99.99% sure, that God's mind says it's essential. My son died for it. My son shed his blood for it. My son gave his life for it. My son is the foundation of it. My son is in the process of building it. Hey, listen, if Jesus is building it, who am I to say, shut it down, Jesus, you're non-essential. Amen. Last year, we were all in some sort of confusion about things. Everybody. I know pastors all over this country. And we're all trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. But some time has passed. It doesn't matter what was done back there. That's 
everybody did what they thought they ought to do. And amen. But we need to get our heads straight and our hearts right about this thing in the church. We can't let the government or anybody else tell us the church is non-essential. Because this church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to get it settled. Who's going to run the church? Who's going to dictate policy to the church? Amen. We need to get our heads set and our minds set. You say, well, what do I, does it matter what I think? Truth of the matter, it really doesn't. Well, really what's going to matter is what the pastor was teaching in Sunday school this morning. When we get before the Lord one day, the only thing that's going to matter is what he thought. Because we're going to be judged by his word, not the government's and not ours, but his. But I'll tell you what, are you you glad that you're a part of the church of the living God? Are you glad this morning you're a part of that group of people that has been built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, that's being protected by the Lord Jesus Christ? that's being provided for by the Lord Jesus Christ and has been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there was a day as a teenage boy when I went to church. I went to church. I had never been going to church, but I finally went to church. That's what I called it. Going to church today and went to this place, got off a bus, Walked into this old two-story frame house, and they had a sign out front and identified it as a church. Didn't look much like a church, looked like a house to me. But what I didn't know was that was just the housing, that was just the building that housed the church. When I got in there, I met the church, the people of that church, the people that were saved the people that prayed, the people that gave, the people that served, the people that sacrificed, the people that loved the Lord Jesus Christ, the people that were looking for his return, the people that cared about my soul and came to get me and took me to the place called the church. And they got to work on me. How'd they do that? They just preached the gospel to me. What they did, they know. See, I, I went to church, but I wasn't part of the church. And I went and I heard and I heard, and every time I went, heard the same thing. Oh, it might have had a different flavor to it and a different twist, but it was the same thing. Jesus Christ died for sinners, and you're one of them, and he died for you, and God loves you and wants to save you from your sin and deliver you from hell for eternity and give you eternal life and change your life, make you a new creature in Christ. I mean, the Lord wants to extend his grace and mercy to you because he loves you. I heard that over and over and over through the productivity of God's people. Somebody drove a bus. Somebody knocked on my door. Somebody taught my Sunday school class. Somebody prepared and studied and preached the word of God. Somebody shook my hand. Somebody invited me over to lunch. Productivity of God's people. And boy, then the Holy Spirit began working on me. And I wasn't shouting hallelujah. I was miserable. 
Holy Spirit of God said, you are a sinner. You know that. Couldn't argue with that. If you died tonight, where would you go? I'd die and go to hell. You realize God loves you enough he sent your son, his son to die for you? God commended his love toward you, toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, hung on a cross and gave his life and shed his blood for me. And the Holy Spirit of God drove that thing home to my heart. And I was so convicted and ashamed of my sin and ashamed of my rebellion against God. And I'm glad God didn't quit dealing with me. And I'm glad God showed me that he loved me enough. He would take me and accept me if I would just ask him. And I'm glad he let me live long enough to do that. I'm glad he saved me by his grace. Washed me in his blood. Amen. Made me a new creature in Christ. And he placed me into his church. And I became a part of that church. Amen. Greatest thing ever happened in my life. The day I got saved. The greatest place I ever visited was that little old church. That place. Greatest message I ever heard was Jesus saves sinners. Amen. My friend, if you're here this morning and you're not saved or you don't know if you are, the greatest thing that ever happened to you in your life is a day you realize you're a lost sinner and there is nothing on this planet you can do to save yourself. But you must realize that Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except by me. When you realize that God in his mercy has kept you alive and out of hell, so you have another opportunity to get saved, and you realize that God's grace is extended to you and he's willing to forgive you of all your sin, wash them all away in his precious blood and give you the gift of eternal life and you don't deserve it no more than I do. But that's God. And he's offering that to you today. My friend, the greatest day of your life could be today if you're willing to be born again to the family of God today. I'm glad. Thank God I'm glad for his church. Aren't you? I belong to a local New Testament church. Amen. That doesn't save me, doesn't keep me saved, but I believe it's obedience to God. In order to be a member of you first, you've got to be born again. You've got to be saved. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not saved, to think about these things seriously. And if God's dealing with your heart, would you listen to him and obey him today? Mm-hmm.